Welcome to The Accurate Perspective, a podcast on local politics in Yakima. We take politics to a whole new level. Factual reporting, sources you can trust, and best of all, no BS. Unlike other news organizations, we won't mislead you or manipulate the news to our advantage. It's facts first, and the truth shall set you free. Join our hosts, Matt Brown, Lindsay Wehrmeyer, and Dave Mullen, as we do what we do best, and that's dunk on all our competitors. Well, guys, welcome to the Accurate Perspective Podcast. We are on episode 17, and Dave, we just finished elections. Well, kind of. Um, across the country, they're still slowly, methodically, and I guess in our state even, slowly, methodically uh, counting five ballots a day. Um, that's what it yeah, seems we're, like. We're still waiting in Yakima County for the results to be finalized. I think Nevada and Arizona are two other states that are way behind us. Um you know, compare that with Florida, who had results with three and a half hours, and you kind of start to ask, what's the difference there? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, because looking at, I mean, Florida, Texas, and Pennsylvania, <clears throat> uh, and what's the other, uh, Georgia, right? All four of those states all have gotten, you know, 99% of their <laughs> tabulations done, while Washington State is sitting at around 70%. Arizona sitting around 82%. It's it's kind of frustrating as a uh, citizen sitting here going, can we get on with it already? Can we count? <clears throat> now, I want them to count accurately, but right. you can do that quickly as well. Right. I feel like, you know, years ago, we were getting results sooner than we are now. So what has happened? I mean, I think we all know what, what has happened, right? It's the mail-in ballots and whatever they're doing. My other issue with this whole thing is you start questioning anything with elections. I'm not talking about going as far as saying election denier, and you're going to hear it from everybody, including your own party, all the way up to Olympia, and you're going to be labeled an election denier. I, I have an issue with that. And, you know, we can't have a, an open and honest conversation with the pros and cons of mail-in ballots without a label being placed on us as Republicans, basically, even from our own party. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's kind of frustrating because I I, uh, I was talking to a, a friend, some of you guys know him, Chris Cargill, and I was talking to him about. I said, Chris, we better be careful with what we say on Facebook, man. They're going to label us as election deniers. <laughs> so yeah. we can start questioning stuff, going, oh, that doesn't that doesn't uh, that doesn't that doesn't add up, um, right? You know, so <clears throat> it's just kind of a strange, uh, I mean, I, I, I have faith in people, but I also have faith that we also live in a broken society. Um, so, you know, I, my, my faith is, is like, you know, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. Um, so let, let's, let's just, you know, let's jump in uh, to the, you know, our local races here, because that's what we're going to do first. Um so county commissioner races, where, where do we stand? So it looks like Amanda's going to pull out her win. Amanda McKinney's going to beat Angie Gerard. Um, Angie ran as a write-in, came in late. Um, but as we all know, Amanda has, has a good uh, machine going for her for campaigning. She showed it in her previous campaign. Um, so she'll win. Kyle Curtis looks like he'll hold on. He's up by 15% right now. Um, so that's district one and two. Now, what I and many people think is the most important district, I guess we consider it the swing vote, maybe, 
Um, District 3, LaDon Lindy versus Steve Saunders. And Steve is down by a little over 300 votes with, I think we have a, a few thousand to count. Is that right? 2,000? I'm not sure as of yesterday. Yesterday, they, uh, they, they counted some more and... I'm not sure where they're at left. I know in the whole county they've got about eight or nine thousand left. So, um, so if we'll kind of- let me ask you this, Matt, if Ladon hangs on, you know, you'd have a county commissioner dais of Amanda McKinney, uh, Kyle Curtis, and then Ladon Lindy. Like, wh- what do you think that means for the citizens of of the county? I think, from my perspective, that one vote, Ladon Lindy's vote. Uh, it really changed the course of where we went as a county throughout COVID, right? So if we had Steve in that spot instead of Ladon, I think things would have been a lot different. Um, there was, you know, a lot of two to one votes that could have went the other way for us. And, you know, some votes on the Department of Health, like the masking and things like that, we could have seen something completely different in the county. So from your perspective, Matt, you know, what, what are you seeing with like a McKinney, Curtis, Lindy, Dias for the, the citizens of Yakima County? Well, I think the the big one that's interesting to me is that uh, so District Two, right, with Kyle, mm-hmm. um, that district. Uh, so a, a little bit of history as well with all three districts. So they they the reason why they all three ran again this year was because of a lawsuit brought about by One America, and they had to redistrict, and so they redistricted, and Dulce, who ran against Kyle was named as one of the folks that was on that one America lawsuit against mm-hmm. the count to redistrict Dulce. And, and some people will say this is that this whole redistricting <laughs> was an attempt to actually uh, create a district that would uh, fit, uh, you know, one America's desires. Right. Yeah. And, and so they did that and then they still lost. So I thought that was kind of interesting um, because Kyle, <clears throat> who I would say is on just about every board, and he's been on this show uh, one or two times already. Um, to, I mean, I think the interesting thing is even I've told Kyle, I'm like, dude, I was actually surprised at how thoroughly um, you won. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was surprised yeah. at the uh, I was surprised at the uh, primary and I'm and I'm double shocked at the at the general and only because Dulce again <clears throat> her group sued the county to create this district and they poured in I, I think probably the most money I've seen in a long time in a county and maybe of all time in a county commissioner race um you know, Dulce and her campaign already had fundraised a ton, like t- two to mm-hmm. two to three times more than Amanda or Steve or Ladon, right? Wow. And then <laughs> she also had independent expenditures from other organizations sending tons of money in upwards into the eighty thousand dollar range, right? So if you take that into consideration, one hundred and sixty, one hundred seventy thousand or so dollars spent on that race to lose and almost to lose the exact same percentage wise that you got in the primary has to be completely frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And make um, you go back to the drawing board, her and her, her coalition. Hey, if you're spending that much money and you're not gaining any votes, you have a branding problem or you're not. Yeah, and, voters. And, I, and I will say to the County commissioners, Amanda and um, 
Kyle elect um, commissioner and Lindy, if he ends up passing through, is they have to remember something. <clears throat> the reason why this lawsuit was brought was because, you know, of different things with minority voters and stuff like that. But the also other thing is Yakima County has, I think, only one time in history that I could find has had a Democrat commissioner. And it was an appointment that actually right. happened. Right. And then prior to that, where they actually won an election was like 1915 or 19. So it's a long time ago. I couldn't wow. find anything. If, if I'm wrong on that, please uh, shoot us an email. Let me know. But I couldn't find anything. And so it's interesting because when we look at our county's problems, it's been under Republican governing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. so the fact that Dulce got beat the way she did and Angie comes to show me is like, are we going to have something different? Yeah. You know, it, I think we've decided that it doesn't matter what the party is at the end of the person's name anymore. You can, you know, you could say are the, the difference is what are they going to do when they get up there? I will say that the one person I have been thoroughly impressed with um, coming through with promises and fighting for people, even when everybody is against her, is Amanda. So I'm hoping for more of what Amanda brings to the table when it really gets down to it on sticky issues. I'm hoping we have other county commissioners who aren't going to leave her hanging in the wind, which they have done the last year or two, and they'll support her because – I don't always agree with Amanda, but generally most of her things are, you know, they're going to improve our life here. And she's been out in the wind by herself with that. So. Right. Well, we'll maybe, maybe Kyle is a, is a helpful vote in that yeah. front. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know how Kyle will be as a commissioner. Um, yeah. I'm still getting to know Kyle more. I will say the, the interesting thing with district two as well is that it really, overlaps the city of Yakima and Union Gap, right? Yep. He has very little actually unincorporated in his district, which, you know, when, when this whole district was brought up, I heard people around even uh, talking in the community. It's like, Oh, now the city of Yakima has a seat at the table. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I don't really like that. It's the people of Yakima <laughs> that yep. elected him, not necessarily the city the municipality yeah. electing him. Right. And uh, so, and that is someone who sits as a councilman on the board of directors yeah, <laughs> of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> saying that is that, you know, I, I just think that's an interesting thing. Well, I guess we'll kind of see where this plays out. Um, you know, I have no idea how many ballots are left to count, but I think Kyle and uh, Amanda have this pretty much in the bag. Yeah. Amanda's um, up like 30, I mean, she ran away with it, right? She's almost at 70% of the vote. That's a mandate to stay in office, and you can't catch up to that. Right. Um, and I will say Steve did do a good job at catching up. I mean, from the primary to now, um, he was close to about 700, 800 uh, ballots back at the primary. And, you know, moving, it's about six or seven percentage points up is a huge change from primary to general. Absolutely. Um, I think people took notice, Matt. I think people noticed that Steve was out knocking doors. They noticed his team was fighting for him with phone calls and text messages and, you know, everything people do. It just seemed, you know, we just needed maybe a little more time. It's not over yet. And additionally, I'll say, I don't, 
I hope Steve Saunders' political career is not over. You know, I this was one of those votes where I really like enjoyed voting for the guy. I knew he was going to fight for me. I knew what he stood for, and I knew he wasn't going to fall once he won. So I'm hoping Steve is is if this doesn't pan out, he's got eyes on something else because uh, I think Yakima County needs more people like Steve Saunders. I agree. I I you know knowing Steve well, I. I uh, told him the other day that, uh, you know, if, if we end up losing this thing, don't, don't, uh, don't stop trying to serve nope. this community. You know, I, that was one thing for me last year when I was in the battle of a very close race as well, going, I'm not going away. <laughs> right. This is a community I'm called to serve and I'm not going away. Uh, whether I'm elected or not, I'm, I'm going to be here. And so, and that's, that's hard, especially when, if you lose, I mean, that's yep. hard to stay engaged and stay involved. Um, yep. So I, I think Steve, obviously, you know, we both know him. He did it for the right reasons. And it's not like he did all this other extracurricular stuff just to set him up for a win here. The guy is still the VFW commander and doing amazing work for veterans. Right. So um, if people are interested to help veterans contact Steve Saunders, he is the commander of our local VFW. Right. All right, let's move on from county yep. races to uh, – so prosecuting attorney, that was a pretty easy one. Um, <laughs> Joe Busick wins again. Yeah, Sheriff Udell, that was, you know, unopposed. Yep. Um, coroner, so this is an interesting one. Uh, we we kind of saw the writing on the wall, though, in the primary. Um, Jim Curtis, again, resoundingly thumped uh, Marshall in this race, and – I, I, Jim's got some secret sauce, apparently. Um, that yeah, I think he's got a great support system, obviously. Anybody who wins always has a great support system, right? But if you kind of, if you roll back in your head, like Jim Curtis doesn't sit around and just do the coroner responsibilities. The man is bringing um, light to some of the issues we have here. I've seen his name surrounding the fentanyl crisis, and he's bringing light to that. He's not just sitting in his office doing his thing. He's saying we got a problem here, and I think that that resonates with people, especially from I, I don't want to call it like a lower office, but a less visible office. And so citizens see that everybody's noticing these this fentanyl issue, and Jim Curtis isn't running away from it. So I think that's one of the reasons he won. Um, well, and I will say too, a lot of people don't really know what a coroner does, <laughs> other than dead bodies, um, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but I will say they do a lot. In, uh, you know, what I've found uh, in this last six months of kind of talking with Jim and Marshall has been uh, the amount of things that are behind the scenes when it comes to, you know, the drug abuse and different stuff, trying to get a handle on that in our community, being able to provide statistics to other departments. Um, I mean, that's very valuable information and different things that they do. Him and also working with like our funeral homes and stuff like that, our police department. Um, so hospitals. it's interesting. Hospitals, yeah. It's interesting to see though, a, a big old wallop. Um, 77% there. of the vote the last time I checked, Jim got. Yeah. That's a big like, one. Like, uh, you know, with 77% of the vote, uh, Matt, you know, and he's gotten elected to coroner twice and he's a Republican. I don't know. In four years, maybe he'll look for something a little higher. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Jim has aspirations for that. 
but I don't know either, but it'd be nice to find out. I'll, we'll have to have Jim on and just ask him. Yeah, we will. So moving to the next one, County clerk, this one was actually kind of surprising to me. I'm going to be honest with you. So yeah. Billy Maggart and Misha, uh, Venables, um, I think that's how you said your last name. I'm sorry, Misha, if that's not, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, this one surprised me because I, I honestly, I've, I go to a lot of events and I go to a lot of, uh, forums and different things like that. And I didn't see Billy at a lot of those, right. Mm -hmm. At all. Um, I also didn't see, uh, a ton of progress from primary to general on campaigning. Like I didn't see her places. I didn't see, I personally didn't get door knocked. I didn't see any mailers. I didn't see, I did not see those things happening. So yeah. it was kind of surprising to me to see such a discrepancy between her and Misha, because what I did see with Misha was that I saw door knock and I actually was door knocked. You know, like I saw those things happening. I saw her at forums. Now I'm not saying Billy wasn't at all the forums. I think I only saw her at one that I was at. Um, yeah. But I'm going, somehow she had some secret sauce <laughs> to get over that hump. Um, it's the Joe Biden way of campaigning. <laughs> I mean, even looking at, uh, I mean, the, the other gal who ran in the primary, uh, Deborah, for example, Deborah De La Torre, she endorsed Misha for this. So you would have thought Deborah's voters would have transitioned into a Misha win, but nope. <laughs> so, Yeah. And it's, it's just interesting, you know, based on elected experience, there was a reason I supported Misha, you know, just based on her experience. She, she was a senior accountant or she is a senior accountant for the Yakima County clerk. Um, what else? She did like 20 years of accounting services. And I think Billy, you know, she's only had four and a half years in there. And if, from my perspective, I wanted somebody with some experience and knowing how the County works, um, and yeah. my thinking was just kind of with the federal government money coming in constantly. And there's going to be a lot of questions about that. We really need to be on the up and up in the county for when questions start coming and how we're how we're passing out that uh, that money. But, yeah, I, well, would, agree, I would say, agree. too, I, I think the clerk's office has had a bit of drama over the last probably five to ten years. Um, yeah. You know, and, and there was a little bit of drama in this race, even. Um, between the two candidates. And so I, I, you know, the only thing I could say to Billy as she's won is the new elect County clerk is bring peace. <laughs> yeah. Bring peace, bring leadership, fulfill on the things that you ran on and let's, let's get to work at cleaning up some of the mess that um, has been uh, in there. Um, and I don't really, Again, when when I don't know the full details of what all has transpired over the last 15 years in the county clerk's office, but I know it has been an up and down roller coaster of an event and so much so that I'm like, I, I can't even follow all that because it's too much. Right. So I'm hoping this brings some stability there. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we'll see again. Voters will have another shot here in four years to figure out if it doesn't bring stability. Um to find someone else. So yeah. we'll see what happens. All right. Let's see. What's the next one. Auditor Charles Ross ran um, unopposed and was reelected for a second term, third term. I, I think it's his second term. Second term. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, sure. I actually made notes on here and I, I, I would love in four years to target the county clerk and auditor office to get some new blood in there. So more to come in four years on the auditor office and the county clerk office. Hopefully we put a different microscope under it um, in the next four years. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I've talked to Charles and uh, when he was running and I said, Charles, I, I think I might just throw my name in there just to scare you. And then I'll withdraw it right at the last minute, just, just for fun, <laughs> just to give you a little heat. He was like, Oh, ho, 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 ho. And I said, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I did, I will say the, the auditor, you know, I, I've been watching their process, how they're counting ballots and how they're doing stuff down there. And that's what they're really, that's the bread and butter of the auditor's office. Now they do other things as well, but that's the bread and butter. Um, and, and man, I would be sure nice if we could count a little faster. That's my only two cents there. Um, yeah. And maybe even be able to have the onlookers, the folks that actually are observing the ballot counts to, uh, to have a little bit more access to observe the ballot counts right now we're kind of stuck inside a fishbowl as we watch um and can't really see a whole lot so those are some things um but you know again he ran unopposed so um let's see next one is uh county assessor jacob tate ran unopposed so that one's pretty easy um Legislative District 15. So moving into some of the state race, uh, state rep races. So Bruce Chandler, who has been around, I think he said in, since the early 90s or late 90s, something like that. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a long time. It's a long time. Um, this is one of my favorite stories from the campaign, though, Matt. Um, I think you remember, but <laughs> I'm not. Listen, I'm not making fun of anybody. I, all I'm doing is pointing out that Bruce Chandler, although he's been an elected rep for 20 years, he he originally filed for the wrong position and had to take his name off the ballot and refile. And I don't know, I find some humor in that. Bruce won. Um, nobody challenged him again. I will say, though, that Bruce, you know, I, I don't know a lot of his politics or the specifics, but I do know that he is a supporter of the community. When I worked for the city of Sela, he was more than happy to help. However, another seat that probably needs just some competition so we can see, you know, what our current rep is doing. I want to see more debates, basically, Matt. Like, I want to see competition. I want a wide array of ideas um, and solutions in the next two years. Like, we have so many seats that ran unopposed. It's just, you 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 don't have a choice. So you got Bruce Chandler, he ran unopposed. And then Brian Sandlin also ran unopposed. Um, Which... Both of these races, so like Bruce, in my opinion, I always thought Bruce and uh, Jim Honeyford were actually going to go out together in a yeah. cloud of glory, right? They just kind of, yeah. they've been together this whole time. Um, <clears throat> but that wasn't the case. Jim pulled out this this year. So my my, ima- my brain, I'm not sure how much long. I mean, again, these are two-year seats, right? So they're, they do they do have the possibility of seeing change quicker, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I would imagine, um, I don't, I don't see Bruce. I don't know. Maybe Bruce will shock me and he'll run for another term, but, uh, I would be kind of shocked. Um, cause again, he's been doing this a long time. Um, and then Brian Sandlin, yeah, he, he, this unopposed, that used to be Jeremy Dufo's seat till they redistricted him out of the yeah. seat. And, Again, unopposed. I, I mean, I was kind of shocked. No Democrats ran in a lot of these seats. 
I, yeah, I was too. Democrats and Republicans alike, just because you can kind of pick out who the establishment picks were for some of these seats. And um, I think it's, oh, again, another thing to focus on two years from now is giving some competition to these seats. Right. So legislative 15 going into the senator seat where we were just talking about Jim Honeyford, um, Nikki Torres. Uh, looks like she's got this handedly. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts, Dave? I, I just always worry about the non-competition. I hope Nikki, you know, from a state perspective, Matt, it's uh, what are Republicans really going to get done over the next two years? Nothing, I don't think. I think I think the current numbers, we actually lost seats, like maybe one in the House, two in the Senate. And that was, that was two days ago. It could have changed. So How depressing is that? We didn't actually gain a seat. We might have lost seats. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and the expectation was maybe we could have made some, some leeway in there. Um, so I don't have many expectations, to be honest, with you for these Republicans. My hope is that they don't cave. That's really the only hope. Um, we have a senator here in Yakima, Senator Curtis King, who – his supporters will say he works across the aisle. I don't think that's necessarily true. The guy voted for the transportation tax to be improved a few years ago or increased. And then recently he was seen on video. I think he's endorsed a Democrat. Um, is it for secretary of state maybe? Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't get it. So uh, maybe that's a reason why Republicans aren't winning, winning because of squishy things like that. But again, Matt, I don't have any expectations for our Republican uh, elected officials. They're not going to be able to get anything done. The only thing they'll be able to do is go the JT Wilcox route and send 25 letters to the governor and hope he responds, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I, I think, I think there's, I, I think there's, um, Something to be said with the legislature this year in the minority leadership um, inside the Republican Party mm -hmm. uh, and, and not in the state party itself, but actually the House leadership. So the J.T. Wilcox and all of his folks, because this was supposed to be I mean, 2020 was supposed to be a, a, a year a breadwinner year. And then 2022 was supposed to be like, Oh, well we figured things out. So now we can actually win this year. And because man, look at all the horrible, I mean, we thought 2020 was bad, but look at all the things now in 2022 that are bad. And the sad thing is, is again, <laughs> I think we lost seats and, and, and if, if I'm in the Republican leadership right now, the only person you have to blame is yourself. Yep. It's not it's not the voters like what JT wanted to say. Well, they yep. voted last minute, and that's what he was saying on Facebook the other day. Uh, no, that I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that's no. Uh, maybe <laughs> if you didn't interfere in about thirty other races across the state, they we could actually have viable candidates win. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I just it's funny there's no accountability right when you are out there as the party and you're bragging about how many doors you knocked and it's an all-time high and how many phone calls you made and it's an all-time high and how much fundraising you did and it's an all-time high and the results don't show that all these all-time highs guess what you have a leadership problem which also turns into a branding and a messaging problem right but i think you know you kind of alluded to it and i'll say it out loud the leadership in the house does not have a lot of self-awareness right now. No. They need to take they need to take a step back and look at what they did and why it didn't work. Um, and they need to it, 
in my opinion, the, the leadership needs to just resign. That they they need to they need to allow someone else with a different thought, a different process, and a different uh, ideas uh, to actually lead the party into 2024. Um, and maybe not, not the, I'm not talking about the state party. I, I mean the, the house leadership, um, because again, I, in my opinion, it's a two time loser club. How many more times are we going to lose before yeah. we decide to try something different? And, and that's where I think we're at right now is we have to start trying something different. Um, this can't, we can't keep staying with the status quo, um, because we're just, we're not winning. I mean, uh, Chris Corey and Jeremy Dufoe, I, I mean, I've talked with both of them uh, about H-Rock and the leadership, and they have spent, they have sent hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. from their two campaigns to not lose, right? Yeah. Not Not on their own races, but on other races across the state to win, right? Yeah. And, and we didn't. We didn't even nope. come close on some of these races. Nope. And, you know, that happens all over the state with other, you know, uh, reps putting in money. It's dues sometimes. But I, I keep going back, man. They bragged about how much they were fundraising and nothing came of it. And uh, but who and it, like it's almost like who would you put in there? JT, for all of the 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 qualms we have against his politics, you know, his internal politics are good. The guy's insulated and he's got his group of people who are going to back him to the end. And everybody who doesn't back JT seems to be linked as an election denier. And then they lose their seats. Look at Vicki Kraft. Vicki Kraft attended one symposium. She was labeled an election denier. JT Wilcox didn't back her up one bit. Same thing with Brad Clippert. And now they're all out of the legislature. Or Robert Sutherland. And Robert Sutherland. And I bet they're all happy right now. JT Wilcox and co., you can be happy, but you can't get anything done except send letters still, you know? Right. So he's been, he's been minority leader since 2018, Matt. It's four yeah. years. I'd love to get a, a, a good number on how many seats we've gained as JT Wilcox with leader. And if it's a negative number, then I think the writing's on the wall at that point, right? Well, and I would say for, I mean, JT said in other circles previously that if he couldn't get it done this year, that he would step aside. So JT, honor your word and step yep. aside. Now, in my opinion, I think we should only have winners leading the party. Um, and, you know, there's two guys that come to my mind is Joel McIntyre and Jim Walsh. Those two guys are, in my opinion, the ones who actually understand how to win in Western Washington. They yes. know how to flip districts. Jim and Joel are doing it. And, and, <laughs> You know, needless to say, I'm going, why are we, why are we having folks that don't know how to flip those districts run our, our uh, legislative uh, leadership? I mean, that's just yep. a hard part. So, you know, in my opinion, I, I would push, um, you know, I, I hope there are, I hope there is a movement uh, to bring some new leaders because we have a huge opportunity in 24 and I say this now, as we just lost another huge opportunity in 22, um, but we have a huge opportunity with a presidential ticket, right? Where, and possibly now, uh, which we'll talk about uh, a Republican governor, maybe. Um, we have a huge opportunity to flip that seat in the House, but we have to have new leadership. 
um, and uh, just some accountability there. So I'm with you, man. I support the uh, LD19 being our leadership for, for uh, the house. Um, at the very least, you're trying something different. And um, yeah. I don't know if people give Jim Walsh enough credit for understanding the other side and how to work with him. You know what I mean? Jim understands Democrats and how to work with them. Has he? No, probably because it hasn't made sense. But we have a leader who, let me put it this way. The difference, I think, between him and JT is is they both understand how the other side works, but JT is probably more willing to give in. Right. Okay, so we left off on so Nikki Torres. She did have a write-in candidate that went against her, which was Lindsay Keesling. I think yep. that's how you say her name. Um, but looked like Nikki smoked her, um, yep. sixty-three percent. Um, and then let's go position two in the fourteenth district, which is Gina Moshbrooker. So Gina has, I feel like, has to continuously uh, fight for her seat. And yeah. she has been on the show before. Um, actually, this last year, she's been on the show. And uh, Gina won again. And yeah. again, pretty handedly. So Hey, so, okay. You know, there's a winner too. Just saying for some leadership roles. Um, with Gina, though, you know, uh, it, hopefully this puts a nail in the coffin of Liz Halleck's political career. I'm getting sick of seeing her on every single ballot with every single socialist party listed next to her name. But... She always loses. I characterized her as the Stacey Abrams of Yakima. You know, she always loses, keeps running, and um, <laughs> nobody's willing to tell her just to stop, you know. So hopefully Liz takes a hint and says, like, politics just isn't her thing because I think she's lost about four races in four years. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Stacey Abrams, there's rumor that she's going to run for president, so let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> She can't, <laughs> can't win a governor's seat, but you know, let's just keep, let's yeah. just keep running for stuff. Um, and then uh, Chris Corey, which we've mentioned him, but uh, he, you know, he is a friend of the show. He does listen to the show. So Chris, you won. So good yeah. job. Way to go. Congratulations. And uh, he did. And then in Dave's like no man's land district, uh, where, where are we at with those ones? Man, everybody ran unopposed and we're all Republican out here on the wean ass. So I'm in, I'm in legislative district 13. So I got Alex Abara, Tom Dent and Judy Warnick. They all ran unopposed. They're all good. I am, I'm fairly happy with all three. I don't have any big qualms with any of them. Tom Dent is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, Alex Abara is big on kids and education. And I don't know enough about Judy, but you know, I hope to either get to know them more throughout the year and then have them on the show too, because they are part of Yakima County. So, right. Just barely, just a little, whoop. just there, <laughs> just barely, man. I'm, I'm in that Ellensburg kind of district. So, um, they need to get to know the folks down here too. I'll make sure. All right. Um, all right. Let's, so let's look, uh, so now we got, we're going into the propositions that were yep. in each area. So, Yakima County proposition number one was the EMS levy. And that was kind of a resounding. Yes. Uh, yep, 72%. So that, that replaced that contract, right, Matt, there is an expiring contract. And uh, I think the increased levies are not that bad. It's 25 cents per a thousand dollars of assessed value of your house, which comparatively to every other bond and, and uh, levy in the County, that was actually pretty cheap and it goes towards the EMS contract. So if you want an ambulance uh, company, this is it, right? Yeah. And I mean, what, what it really did too, is it kind of, I mean, I, I don't actually think it 
it went it didn't go from it was always set as 25 cents per one uh, one thousand it's just as property values have increased what that 25 cents what was worth was actually worth less because property values went up so this is just kind of resetting it back to what the property value is so you shouldn't see a huge if any sort of bump in it so but again it it, it helps with our fire it helps with our ambulance it helps you know all of those things so um definitely wanted to keep well i think we wanted to keep that one yeah i think so um so school district levies though that one is a little interesting very interesting um i I feel like I remember 10 years ago, Matt, whenever I saw school district levies and stuff being voted on, it was a resounding yes from people, like a 70-30 split all the time to approve it. We're seeing a lot different things. And I think if we go back and look at trends over the last four years, we'll see that there's a downward trend in, in support for school levies because parents are starting to realize, what am I getting for the money? So Union Gap, um, they had a levy go out to improve the safety, outdated infrastructure, athletic facilities for $9.6 million. It looks like that one's going to be approved um, with a 9% difference, 54% approved, 45% rejected. Don't, Deep Valley, though, man. Don't you, though, with a levy, don't you have to get a 60% to actually get it approved? It, see, that that's something I need to look at because I'm see. pretty sure – that you have to, I'm reminded of the SELA pool levy that never hit the 60% threshold, I think. Um, right. So we'll see. I mean, Matt, if you're looking that up, that'd be great to know because at that I'm looking point, it up right now. Yeah. None of these, none of these uh, school levies will pass. They're all, the highest one is 54% approved by Union Gap. In East Valley, interestingly enough, they want to expand the middle school com commons due to overcrowding. Um, and to improve operating efficiencies. Overcrowding is interesting. I'd have to go back and look at those statistics. I've been in the enrollment statistics and nothing really jumped out at me at East Valley for overcrowding or over enrollment. It's basically stayed the same, I think, the last few years. So East Valley is looking for, I think it's a total of like $5 million to expand the commons right now. It's um, approved at 50.43%, disapproved at 49.97%. Uh, that's about 100. Nope. It's a 48-vote difference right now mm. for East Valley uh, Levy. Mapton School District, which was, um, if you look at the voter's guide, the Mapton School District Levy was supported by LaDon Lindy. Um, and that's going to go, looks like it's getting approved at 53% right now. And that's $12.8 million for Mapton Junior and Senior High. Um, and actually, Matt, that vote total flipped over the day. When I looked at it on Thursday, it was 48% approved. Now it's 53% approved. Hmm. So some late ballots came in that were uh, good for Mapton School District. So I don't think, uh, well, so what I'm looking here is I, I, I'm pretty sure all the school levies have to have a 60%. Um, bonds don't, but school levies do. Mm. Um, as far as I can tell is what it well, looks like. So even I'll, like the well, EMS levy had to have 60%. Perfect. That passed at 72. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, that's a, I mean, we'll, we'll confirm that. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, yep. I'm trying, I'm just quickly looking at Google and different things, trying to find that. Um, but I'm fairly certain that uh, 
that you have to have 60% to pass a, a levy. Because I know in the city of Yakima, <clears throat> for example, we tried to do a levy. Oh, I think it was in 2020 and it failed. Um, yeah, it just failed. <laughs> it failed. Um, and uh, anyways, needless to say, I, I think it is 60% though. Because I, when I was trying to, when they were talking about doing it at the city, they were like, we'd have to get 60%. So I'm pretty sure the same goes with uh, yeah. schools. Yeah, I think, you know, these schools will have a better chance of passing this stuff if they focus on, say, one of the issues at hand, like security. Um, you know, with all the violence going around with schools and things like that, if they just put out a levy for security, I'm pretty sure most parents are going to approve it. You're going to get your 60%. Instead, though, they combine all of it and say, here's a $12 million bond for everything we need. Right. Well, and then if you have like, so like West Valley School District, right, they they have passed, I don't remember when it was, but they passed a... Uh, a levy to build all their new schools out there. Now they've got $19 million left over where they're now asking the people, okay, what do you want us to do with it? And they're talking about like, you know, using it for X, Y, and Z, all these other projects and different things. And I'm kind of like, uh, no, just why don't you just give it back to us? <laughs> well, a, give it back or B, if you're not going to give it back, which is, I don't know if that's illegal or not, but B, Maybe the focus shouldn't be on a structure. It should be on increasing those numbers for, you know, preparing kids for the real world. West Valley School District is, you know, they're not immune from the 30% competency rate that everybody has right now. Um, so that's concerning when you have extra money and the first thing administrators go towards, go towards is how can we make something bigger and beautiful instead of how can we use this money, leverage it to really support our kids, send them out into the world because they are the future of the county and the country and the city. Right. Yeah. No, we need to be focusing on our, edu the, you know, the, the math, the reading, yeah. just the, the, the basics of education right now. Um, it, blow, it blows my mind that there's $19 million out there and that's not even <laughs> education piece isn't being talked about, you know? No. Well, and it, it, I mean, if you look at Yakima County and our schools and all the districts, I mean, we did a show about that where we were showing, uh, you know, in Yakima school district was a 14% uh, the kids are passing yeah. their meeting standard of math um, or something like that. Right. And yet we're um, graduating all these kids too. Right. That's, that's terrible. Yep. Um, all right. So let's shift gears a little bit. So we're, we are going to actually have a, uh, a, our next episode, we're going to, we're going to talk national results. We don't typically go into national results, um, but this one's kind of a big deal. And there are some national results that kind of impact uh, Washington. Um, mm -hmm. but also, uh, you know, I think right now we're still waiting <laughs> on a lot of the national results, even though it's Saturday. Um, and the election was four days ago, you would yep. think we would be uh, closer to figuring this stuff out, but we're not. Um, but a couple of the races that I think uh, I want to uh, have people, if they're not already paying attention to these, is what's going on in Arizona with Carrie Lake. Um, that's a governorship that down there is going to be a, an interesting one to see how that pans out. Um, the other one is uh, a, con a Congress race with Lauren Boebert in Colorado. Yep. Um, that one has been within like 500 votes in a, con a congressional race is yep. ridiculous. <laughs> and she, was she was down for a little bit too. Right. So you're talking about an incumbent who – her district kind of changed, um, right? So, yeah. um, but 
needless to say, she's ahead right now, but it is very, I don't know if I've ever seen a congressional race be that tight before in a, you know, we're talking 300,000 plus votes. Yeah. She, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out based on, and, and we'll get more into it in the next episode, but you know, the, the impact of Trump's endorsement and being connected to Trump has generally been a negative, but if Lauren pulls this out, she might be the only, I'll have to check the only Trump endorsed candidate to win again. Um, but I'll have to check an incumbent. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll have to dive into that. Cause I mean, I think that's a really great, I mean, I was shocked when I was looking at that race, I'm going, Holy moly. At one point it was like 62 votes separated them <laughs> out of a 300,000 votes. I mean, I was going, Oh my gosh, that's yeah. insane. You see that type of stuff at city council races, not, not, not in a, a congressional race, you know? Um, yeah. So it's pretty wild. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, a little bit before we end the show today, cause I, I thought this was very interesting um, is is uh so the tiffany smiley race she thought she was a lot closer she thought she was really close actually she thought she was ahead as of uh the monday before election day she thought she was a quarter percent up and according to polling right so what's really wild though i i and you guys can go check this out but i'm gonna throw it up on the screen here um and Dave has no idea what I'm going to talk about because I haven't told him this. But <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's see if I can pull it up. Um, so this is the this is the race right now, right? So November eighth, twenty twenty two. And if you look at these percentages, right? So fifty six point six two percent. Patty Murray, Tiffany Smiley, forty three one point one six. Right. Interesting. Right. So just lock that in your brain. <laughs> just okay. process that. And then I'm going to take you guys to, uh, let's see here. Um, yep. This is the, this is the one. So this is the 2020 election between Lauren Culp and Jay Inslee. Look at the amounts, 56.56 and 43.12. Okay. Almost identical from Tiffany Smiley's. Right. Like to the, to the T the same, <laughs> I mean, astronomically the same. Now what gets even stranger is I I've gone through only about maybe about six counties so far and almost every county is the same percentage, not hmm. the same vote total, but the same percentage. So statistical anomaly. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Now, now if you take both candidates, right, Lauren Culp and Tiffany Smiley, mm -hmm. Very different candidates. Yep. Right. Uh, yep. I mean, very different. Lauren Colt, Trump endorsed congressional guy, right? Like Liberty, blah, 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 right? That guy, right? <laughs> and then you've got <laughs> Tiffany Smiley, who is, I mean, she's definitely a Republican. She has Republican values, but she's not, I would say, a Trump endorsed Tiffany Smiley. Nope. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And and so when I was looking at these results, I'm going, my brain started to hurt because I'm going, these are two very different candidates. In my mind, I was expecting to see Tiffany very much like Dino Rossi when he ran against Patty Murray within yeah. a couple percentage points, right? Three to 4%. Not the exact same as Lauren Culp. Yeah, you're expecting some improvement. Tiffany's probably not as, um, you know, for lack of a better term, 
I don't want to use far right. She's not as right wing as Lauren Culp is. She's still a Republican. They're both Republicans, right? But she is not as boom, boom, boom. Like we thought she could have got some of that King County vote basically. She yeah. And, and so this leads me to, I mean, I don't know what 24 will look like, but when I look at this, I go, these, I mean, the argument that Republicans will make with Lauren Culp was, uh, and I say the establishment, the mainstream Republicans, what they will say is that Lauren Culp was too far right. We needed someone that was more middle, more uh, maybe middle right uh, yeah. to run. Well, I would say that was Tiffany. Absolutely. Right. And Tiffany just proved that's not the case. Yep. And so now as we look at 24 and as a Republican leadership, I mean, my question to Caleb and the Republican Party was, what are we looking for, to be honest with you? <laughs> because, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I mean, I look at that and I go, this is exactly the same percentage. I mean, uh, statistically, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Um, but I'm going, I don't know what type of candidate Washington State would actually accept that's not um, a Democrat. Now, the other piece of that is that <laughs> this also lends to the equation as a, a, a hypothesis, basically, is are there actually middle voters in Washington State? Yeah, <laughs> that was going to be my next point. Are we irredeemably blue? Like, this is where I, we're at? So it's. I think it's one of two things. We're either irredeemably blue or like we talked about with the House, we have a messaging problem on the state level, too. And that needs to be looked at as far as what do we message? What did we do wrong? What can we do better in 2024? If, if, if you have the candidate you want and the results aren't what you expect, we need to look in the mirror again. This is it's getting frustrating for Republicans. You ran, you know, Josh Fried and then Lauren Culp. And now, OK, a lot of people, Lauren Culp for for better or worse, like there was a lot of excitement behind him. That's for sure. Yeah. We need that excitement probably mixed with a little Tiffany's politics to get some of the King County vote. But Matt, I think we can go back to the drawing board with messaging for the governor. And unfortunately, I think some Republicans are going to have to learn to be comfortable with a governor who isn't extremely Republican if we want. Well, and it, and it, it makes you wonder is like is middle is the middle are are we this polar in washington state um yeah because i mean obviously national politics are very polarized right now right but washington state i go is it because one side and the other is like you will not vote for the other side right period end of story do not do that do not cross go there's no two hundred dollars you know like (laughs) this is this is the line we will hold um because or or (laughs) is there something weird going on and as a and i'm going to take off my my uh my conspiratorial hat here from a statistical analyst point i start going um I don't know if I've seen this happen like this where it's literally percentage points, the exact same now, not, and it would make sense to me if it was like voter turnout the same way. Yeah. Right. If it was like, but it's not, it's, it's fun. It's actually Tiffany got 2 million, 2 million less people voted in 2022 than they did in 2020, but it's exactly the same percentage points. It's pretty wild. Um, Yeah. So it's pretty wild. And, and for Republicans, I think if they want to win in 24 and 26, 
they're going to have to start figuring out what that is. Yeah. What is that um, barrier there? Because typically if you're a Republican party or if you're the minority party of any kind, whether you're the Democrat or the Republican in whatever state, you typically don't want to be more than 2% behind your opponent. Right. right. Yep. And at this point we're, we're far below 2%. <laughs> We're know? just like one right now. We're like we're like the Kamala Harris's of the world. We're at like less than one percent, and we're just hanging on not to get kicked out right now. <laughs> you know. So and and I, and I start to also go because people argue about the voter turnout, and they're like, "Well, you know, we just need higher voter turnout in Eastern Washington." So I started doing some math, and I'm like, "If Eastern Washington turned out to vote, right? Let's say they all turned, which they did in 2020, mm-hmm. okay." If Eastern Washington all turned out to vote at, let's say, 90% turnout, King County by itself, this last election um, in King County, Patty Murray got 486,000 votes, right? Just for her. Then if you look at in uh, Lauren Culp and Jay Inslee's race, Jay Inslee got 888,000. 800,000 plus almost 900,000 votes in King County. If you take Eastern Washington at 90%, it's almost, almost equals King County County. (laughs) almost. And that's one County. Right. And so I'm like, I I don't necessarily think Eastern Washington turning out 90% is the answer. Now it does that. Does that make our lives a lot easier? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) If, If Eastern Washington did, but I also think there is something fundamentally wrong where we're, where two different candidates, two polar opposite candidates, Tiffany and Lauren Culp, are polling the exact same way in this state. Yep. There is something fundamentally wrong um, in the Republican Party that we have to figure out. Because yeah. And it needs to happen soon. Like We can't yeah. wait to 2023 to figure this stuff out, basically. There should be meetings happening. I know it's holidays, but if this is that important, let's go. Let's start it now. And right. uh, got to break down those barriers of that old old school, old boy club and let more people get involved and bring ideas to the table, especially at the state party. Right. Um, the other one is uh, Joe Kent. Yep. Um, that race is super close. I'm not even going to really want to touch on it because I don't want to jinx anything with Joe Kent because I really want him to win. <laughs> so, I'll just say there's 70% reporting right now. Yeah, it and it's close. He's within 5,000 or so um, yeah. ballots. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that race is going to come down to a, a nail biter. And, you know, they're already starting ballot rehab, which for folks that don't understand what ballot rehab is, um, ballot rehab is where they, so if you filled out your ballot, you sent it in and you forgot your signature on it, right? It happens. It happens a lot. I mean, actually in his race, there's like 6,000 ballots that need rehab curing. Yeah. Um, not just signature. It could have been, Oh, husband signed his wife ballot. Wife signed her husband's ballot. They just flipped them. Up. I've done that. It happens. Yep. Um, it could be grandma signed a ballot. <laughs> That happens. Had that happen in Yakima County, actually, last year. Grandma signed 18 ballots for a kid. All 18 were rejected. Yeah. Um, I was trying to get those votes in. <laughs> she was just trying to make sure. Um, 
<laughs> you know, um, but uh, you know, needless to say, those those things happen, and so the curing of that is that from from now until um, I believe it's certification. Um, so whatever date that is, I think that's uh, like the twentieth something. Um, whatever date that is, between now and then, they have that amount of time to fix that, right? Um, so whether it be a signature, whether it be you know whatever. They, they have that time uh, to do that. And the auditor's offices are supposed to send out a letter with the fix, right? So every time, you know, I think in Yakima County, we had 60 in like District 3, for example, that were rehab ballots. And a lot of them were like mismatched signatures or rejected signatures. Sometimes your signature changes too, and that might be why it was rejected, right? My signature from when I was 18 years old is a whole lot different now than it right. was then. Right. Um, so anyways, needless to say, the the that curing process, um, if you get those ballots fixed, if you get the signature in or whatever the process is to fix it, they will then count. So what teams then do, for those that don't know the political process of this, I'm only explaining it in detail <laughs> because I did not know this existed until I ran last year, was the, the, the process now is you have teams that go out and door knock those houses, right? And if you, if you know they're your supporter, right, they might have a sign out on their front porch. They might mm-hmm. – uh, you know, they gave to your campaign. Oh, look, Matt, Matt's ballot didn't work. I know Matt is my supporter. I'm going to make sure he gets his ballot fixed. Right. So that is now what they're doing um, in Joe Kent's race. And they're doing in other races across the state, uh, but that one being the big one, because if you have a solid ground game, you should know that you should know that information. Yep. Um, and, and then what you do basically is you go and ask them, Hey, did you, did you get this thing from the county? Yeah. Did you fill it out? No. Well, if you fill it out, I can take it in for you. Make sure it's counted. All right, great. You know, you take care of it and then it's done. Right. It's a process. Um, sometimes folks ended up not voting for who you wanted. So it ends up being a, a oxymoron for you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, ah, ha. Yeah. Okay. Well you still get it in. All right. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, needless to say, though, that's that's the part of rehab. And I know there's about 6000 ballots like that in Joe Kent's race right now. Um, on top of I think there's still 50,000 ballots left to count yeah. in that race. 30 percent of his of that district hasn't been yeah. counted. This, this is like the race. These congressional races are starting to make me think like if Joe doesn't win that we are irredeemably blue. Like you look at district three with Joe Kent, who ran a strong campaign and maybe the Trump endorsement did hurt him a little bit. And, um, but the guy was, his policies were good. You know what I mean? Like, and he knew what he was talking about. And there's been some debates with his, his, uh, his opponent where she did not look good. She didn't look like she knew what she was talking about. She was getting booed on stage. And so even with that, you have that race, you have the, um, the Matt Larkin against Kim Schreier race, which, you know, all the powers that be in the state for the GOP thought that, that was super winnable. They went out of their way to make sure Larkin was in that race. He was handpicked by him and he still wound up losing by 5%, right? And Matt, I don't think Matt's that right wing guy that I necessarily look for in my congressional candidates. He's more of a JT Wilcox Republican. 
right. which is middle of the ground, and he still couldn't pull it out. So, you know, it's really leading me to think the trend is like we are bluer than we think around here. Well, well it, it makes you wonder, is there even a middle voter? Are there even swing voters in Washington state? I argue, I don't know. I don't know if there is when it comes to those big state races. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you like to think, well, okay, it's blue versus red, but that, or there's some tomfoolery going on in statistics here, because right. if that were the case, I would have felt like, again, Tiffany would have pulled 48, 49%, right? She would have been able to pull some of those swing voters over, um, into her camp, but instead she pulled exactly the same people that Colt pulled. Yeah. Well, you know, the, it's, I think there's a problem with polls too, Matt. I heard it on a podcast the other day, which I never thought about this. You take the 18 year old to 24, maybe even 32 year old, like my age, like that group of people, polls are done with a phone calling people. Like my generation is not picking up a phone call from people they don't know. Right. So w- what I'm saying is, did, did the pollsters miss that whole big group of 18 to 24, 18 to 32? Cause we just don't answer our phones anymore. Right. Which and that's is a- false sense of hope for some people which is another key piece that i think republicans have to have an actual soul searching searching party for is the young crowd the yeah. 18 to 20 29 year old um yeah. that group and then also the minority communities both of yeah. those communities um we we have got to figure out how to break through that mind forge manifold and actually um win those because those young folks they overwhelmingly turned out across the country this year. Yeah. Yeah. Overwhelmingly. I mean, they, they turned out to vote, which if you're, if you're following generationally, this, this new young youth voter, this 18 to 29 year old, that generation is actually the largest generation next to baby boomers. Mm -hmm. And all the baby boomers are getting to the place of where they're aging out or dying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's my nice way of aging out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I hope I don't age out for another few decades here, Matt. That's uh, well, you know, so I think that's a really, uh, you know, going into our next episode would be really the key piece for Republicans to figure out on a national scale, but also on a local Washington scale is going, how are we reaching young people? How are we reaching minority communities? I and, think nationally we reach minority communities because you're dealing with the the border. You know, we made some inroads down there, but. I would love to see, yeah, for next episode, maybe I'll bring up, uh, you know, how well Republicans did nationally with minority groups and younger folks and then how well Washington State GOP did and what has been the trend, you know? Right. Because, I mean, we've got to figure that out um, going forward or we're just we're going to be stuck to winning uh, just a county by county, which, again, is not a bad method as well. If the GOP started focusing on just winning each county. Yeah. Right. Um, let's, let's flip county commissioner seats. Let's flip school boards. Let's flip city councils. If they just focused on doing that, yep. they might actually in turn flip the federal or state races across because folks have more one name recognition if you're winning those locals. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, but then two is Republicans don't seem as such a foreign object to people on the other side of the aisle. Actually, we elected a Republican for county commissioner, and he actually did a pretty good job, right? Um, Like that starts to change in their mind and their perspective, their their brain that we have to figure that out. So um, anyways, this is like a deep dive on that. But um, I would say that 
that's definitely in another episode as, as we continue yeah. to process. Because I, I do think the problem is, is that across the country, people are expecting a red wave <laughs> or a red yeah. tsunami. And, and I kept kind of going, not, I don't think so. Um, and I, and I kept saying, I don't think so because we were doing the same things that I saw we were doing in 2020 that we were doing this year. Yep. And, and our data is still not up yep. to gold standard, in my opinion, in the Republican party. I feel like yep. our data is like a solid C. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be an A, you know, and I'll, I'll back you up. You were hesitant on the red wave. Me over here. I don't learn from my past mistakes at all. And I'm like, Matt, Red waves coming, man. We're going to get the house. We're going to get the Senate. And then here's what we're going to do, buddy. And you're like, hold on a second. Let's just see what happens. And uh, anyway, I'm going to take your advice from now on and just pump the brakes a bit. Cause I was, I was largely disappointed on election night, man. I, I was staring at Rhode Island two or three. I forget which one um, they had. A, they had a guy who was ran as an independent before, but was very local. Just what you talked about, Matt, one local races build up that recognition Dude still lost by 10 points, and that was a targeted race for Republicans in congressional districts. So when that didn't pan out, I was like, uh-oh, hold on a second. What are we going to stare down tonight? So, well, and like Myra Flores, for example, Myra yeah. lost. She just Wild. won her race. She just won it. Like She just Wild. did that like three months ago or four, however long ago. She, she just won, won it. She was on the border, too. Uh, <laughs> a border district and she was fighting to close up the border. Yeah. So that's one of those things that I'd like to take a look at some of the statistics in that race to see how yeah. that actually. So that'll be our next episode. Um, anyways, I am going to wrap up cause we are going at an hour here and, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about our show sponsors because they help us keep this show going and our blog. Um, but before I do that though, we did just release an article today that Dave wrote um, announcing uh, what's interesting. So if you haven't heard of him, his name's Simi Bird. He's running for governor of Washington. This kind of goes with all of, all of what we were just talking about. He's a Republican and he's running for governor in the state of Washington. He, he did not wait very long to announce that. So he's just right out of the chute, like a rocket. Um, and, and uh, so go check out that article and see who Simi is. He's a Richland school board member and, you know, great dude. Um, you'll be hearing lots more from him. So go check that article out. Besides that point, show sponsors. So we have a couple. We need more though. Uh, we could do a lot more things if we had more show sponsors. Um, like, you know, employ more people to do this type of stuff. Ragtag group of misfits. Um, so uh, our first show sponsor is Mac Daddy Coffee Roasters. Uh, they're down on 2nd Street, 1st Street, somewhere around there downtown yakima look them up mac daddy coffee roasters and then uh baker's auto baker's auto is down over by um the fairgrounds if you're looking to try to figure out where to get your car fixed um jeff and sarah down there at baker auto are great folks they do great work they're also slam busy but they (laughs) they do a great stuff anytime i need my car looked at that's where i go um so check them out and then the last show sponsor is Center for Self-Governance. They don't actually actually monetarily sponsor the show. They just sponsor it by teaching us all these great things. Um, <laughs> so Center for Self-Governance, you can check them out uh, on their website, centerforselfgovernance.com. And if you would like to be a show sponsor or just a 
Patreon to help us. Uh, go to patreon.com slash accurate perspective and donate. Um, sign up to be a Patreon. Uh, you know, as little as $5 a month, you can help us keep the show going. And and it would be cheaper than $5 a month, but Patreon doesn't let me. So it's $5 a month, <laughs> and uh, that helps keep the show going and keep us on air and bring in articles. We actually have a whole blog team now that we've put together. Um, so things are moving, shaking. Dave's working on a couple di- different things. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to bring you guys um, all of the info that you guys need in Yakima County. So um, help us out. Uh, find this podcast on all of the things, all of the podcast catchers that you you can find us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, um, pretty much anywhere we're there. So, anything else, Dave, for the good of the order? More, uh, you know, more coming to the blog, more um, developments, more stories, some business reviews. Um, I think election night really motivated me to and it showed me how much more work we do have to do in the county. We've done a ton of work. Matt, Autumn, Dana Johnson, all those folks deserve a lot of credit, but they're really bringing to light how much more work we need to do. And it's time to jump on board. And I think um, accurate perspective is going to be a leading force. Last but not least, we're a day late. Happy Veterans Day to all our veterans. I know we have a bunch of veterans listening. Uh, We couldn't do this without you guys and what you've done for us. And also thank you to your families for supporting you during your military career. Yeah. Thank you too, Dave. You are a veteran. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm not a vet and, but I always tell folks is, you know, I, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing as trying to be a political ninja inside this country. If it wasn't for the actual political ninjas outside this country doing, right. <laughs> doing their work. Um, yep. So thank yep. you for all you guys have done absolutely, and, and helping. So, all right, guys, well, we will be back here in a couple of weeks and hopefully we'll have Lindsay back on the show. Um, yep. She has had a very busy season, but she is, uh, starting to wrap up some of that stuff and we're getting on a regular schedule again. So we'll be back a couple of weeks with that uh, national show and we'll see you guys then. Have a good one.